When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, October 13th, the storyline for all of us tennis fans to monitor down the home stretch of this 2021 Indian Wells. Who is going to make their move to try and capture the final spots still available at both the men's and women's year-end championships in Turin and Guadalajara, respectively? Of course, there are just more players still alive in the women's race. Therefore, I think it's inherently more interesting. Of course, plenty of those players still in action here at Indian Wells. You look at the top of the list, it starts with On Jabour. She's the highest-ranked player left in the draws, highest seed through to the quarterfinals. If you remove Ashley Barty, who's back in Australia, likely done for the season, if you remove Naomi Osaka, who, by the way, has slipped to ninth in the points race, likely wouldn't even get into Guadalajara at this point on her own ranking. Right now, Onjabur is up to seventh on that list. She trails Garbin Muguruza by a little over 300 points. You think Garbin is safe, Sakari safe, Sviantek likely safe. That means really two spots available, though, for about six, seven players still in action. Of course, Jabur in the pole position, trailing her still alive in this event, is Jessica Pagula, who now finds herself just one point behind Alida Svitolina for that eighth and final spot in Guadalajara Pagula, a dominant straight set win over Svitolina today that, of course, I'm going to break down on this podcast. You continue down the list. Annette Contave, she's still in action. She trails Pagula by just 59 points. Technically, she's up to 12th now in the points race. Angelique Kerber up to 13th. She trails Pagula by just 113 points. Paula Bedosa, she's currently in 15th right now. She trails Pagula by fewer than 200 points as well. All of these players, again, the five of them, still alive in the quarterfinals of Indian Wells, still able to chart their own paths. Of course, technically, the other three quarterfinalists, Yelena Ostapenko, Victoria Azarenka, and Shelby Rogers, who did the seemingly impossible yesterday, beat Layla Fernandez in three sets. They've all got outside shots, but technically if they win Indian Wells, they are still in the race. So plenty to monitor on the women's side. And of course, on today's podcast, I do want to break down all of yesterday's round of 16 matches as we had all eight of them in one fantastic day of play. Of course, it is worth mentioning on the women's, uh, on the men's side, excuse me, the three men most likely to earn those last two spots in the race to Turin are also still alive at this Indian Wells. Casper Ruud into the round of 16 yesterday over Lloyd Harris, but joining him now in the Indian Wells round of 16 are Hubi Hercats and Yannick Sinner. Now, they each 
currently trail Casper Ruud for Hoopy Hercots. He trails Ruud, I believe, by a little over 100 points. Yannick Sinner closer to a 500-point gap between himself and Ruud. Of course, for the men, it's worth mentioning they still have Paris, that 1,000-level event later on on the calendar as well. So some pathways are still open, but look, all three of those guys, those are your three big contenders. They're all still alive. Of course, Diego Schwartzman's still alive. Cam Norrie has got an outside shot to get into the mix as well. As such, usually this isn't always the case, but October tennis sincerely matters at this point, and that's all we can ask for as tennis fans is to see players chasing things such as the year-end finals, pushing their levels uh, to you know, or pushing themselves, excuse me, to their outer bounds. And of course, still on the men's side, you've got the top three seeds, the key threes, Virev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas. They're all still alive at this event as well. Should lead to a really fun round of 16 Wednesday for the men, first half of the quarterfinals for the women. But again, on today's show, what I want to do, break down Tuesday's action at Indian Wells, talk about the women's round of 16 singles, talk about the back half of our men's round of 32 action. Of course, before I do that, I have to give a shout out to all of you listeners. For some reason, you're sticking with us day in, day out, and we are sincerely appreciative of that fact. Of course, we will continue to do our best to provide all of you with the sort of content we know tennis fans deserve. If you are following the tour as closely as we do here at Crack Rackets, you need a daily podcast because there's a different slate of events offered each and every day on the Pro Tour. That's what makes it so special as every day really is a unique day in pro tennis. We do our best here at Crack Rackets to break down all of that action to ensure, again, all of you have the information you need to thoroughly enjoy yourselves as tennis fans. Of course, a shout out to our Patreon family as well for supporting our efforts. We are giving them match of the day bonus segments as well. Tonight's match of the day, Tsitsipas versus Demon Hour. If you are interested in hearing that content or just support Supporting what we are doing here at Cracked Rackets. You can join our Patreon family by going to our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, last but certainly not least, have to give a shout out to our friends over at Tennis Point. You hear me say it each and every day. I sincerely mean it every time. Without them, this show does not happen. Of course, if you have anything you need in the tennis world, any sort of equipment, rackets, strings, clothing, shoes, you name it, they've got it. Best deals, best prices, best equipment, best staff, best, 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 which is, of course, what we're all about here at Crack Rackets. If I say the word best enough, is this like one of those 30-second commercials like free, 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 best, 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 but trust me, tennis-point.com, you use that promo code CR15, not only will you let me, uh, them know you sent us there, but uh, we sent you there, excuse me, there it is, but you'll also get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, 15% off your order, and best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. You didn't expect me to go in that order, did you? Nevertheless, I did. Again, we are so grateful for our friends at Tennis Point. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 with that in mind. Let's get into day six at Indian Wells. Was, again, thoroughly enjoyable day of play. I think just at this point of the season to have this many top players playing in one location, it's just a treat. It really is the dessert at the end of an 18-month slog that we all deserve 
as tennis fans, and I think the place we have to start the match of the day, anytime you get a 7-6 in the third performance, that's probably going to lead our mini break, but for Shelby Rogers to earn that 7-6 in the third victory over a Layla Fernandez who, of late, if you recall, at in, uh, at the U.S. Open beats Naomi Osaka in three sets, Angelique Kerber in three sets, Alina Svitolina 7-6 in the third. She beats Sabalenka by breaking her up 5-4 in that third set. Of course, two nights ago, she had beaten Pavlachenkova 6-4 in the third and was down a set and a break throughout the course of that match. And Look for Layla Fernandez. She came out swinging. 6-2 first set, but in the end, it's Rodgers taking a 2-6-6-1-7-6 decision over the young Canadian. You look for Shelby. She was under attack all night, and yet fights off 11 of the 16 break points she faced. Now, again, that that's a big number. She's still broken five times in the match, but you look for Shelby, who struggled on serve all night long. She almost abandoned going big on the first serve, just played for location throughout the course of the match. And, you know, the key for her with the serve was to set up the first forehand because when Layla Fernandez was dictating, when Layla Fernandez was getting into her plays from the center of the court, she was just moving Shelby around. And, of course, that's not Shelby. Shelby's not someone who wants to be, you know, running in in and out of corners and playing defensive tennis and hitting on-the-run passing shots. She wants to be dictating, hitting the big forehand, moving forward hitting the swinging volley whenever possible. Again, credit to Shelby for doing that as frequently as possible. Now, on the flip side, you look for Layla Fernandez in this match. Again, it was similar struggles for both players on serve. For Fernandez, she also saves 11 of the 16. uh, So for Shelby Rogers, she was saved 10 of the 14 break points she faced. Excuse me, wins 64% of her first serve points, 37% of her second serve points. For Layla Fernandez, she saves 11 of the 16, excuse me, break points that she faces, wins only 57% of her first serve points, 41.5% of her second serve points. What do those numbers tell you? It tells you what our eyes saw. The biggest weapon on the court was the Shelby Rogers serve and her ability to use that ball to set up plus one opportunities, particularly on the slow, high bouncing hard courts. It made the difference in this match. And for Shelby, that's been the story of of her year on hard courts. You look for Shelby Rogers in 2021. She's now 20 and 11 on hard courts this season. That's a 65% win percentage. She's made U.S. Open, Australian Open round of 16 performances. She now makes Indian Wells quarterfinals here as well. She's 4-5 and five against top 20 opponents on hard courts this season. 4-5 and five against the top 20. That's playing them, again, damn near even. She's proven she belongs uh, at the top of the game on hard courts. You look for her on a non-hard courts, 9-10. and 10 overall on this season. Just one quarterfinal for her on the year in non-hardcourt events, three and five against top 50 opponents. So again, on hard courts, she's winning 65% on, of her matches. On non-hard courts, fewer than 50%. On hard courts, she made U.S. Open and Australian Open round of 16. She's 4-5 and five versus the top 20. On non-hard courts, 3-5 and five versus top 50 opponents. She's a different player because, of course, from a movement perspective, you can just see how much more comfortable Shelby is on the hard courts when she has the opportunity to set her feet and get around the ball, play inside out, inside out, inside in forehands, go big up the line taking the ball early on her backhand wing as well and what she's able to do with her serve and that plus one ball again on these slow high bouncing courts in particular it's been a special week for Shelby Rogers who of course now again has just beaten the players she should be beaten beats Kutsova 
straight sets, beats Kalnina straight sets, beats Begu straight sets, now a three-set win for her over Layla Fernandez. She's back up to number 40 in the live rankings, which ties her career high. You look for her in the points race at 29-year-old Shelby Rogers, who I believe just turned 29 years old. Happy birthday to you, Shelby. Uh, Yeah, she is up to number 34 in that points race, and that's where she belongs given her metrics on the season. You look for Shelby overall now here this year. Again, it's been a season of success for her. She's 29 and 21 overall here uh, in w, uh, throughout the course of the season. You look at her numbers. She's averaging, I believe, career high, uh, excuse me, career high and hold percentage if you go back to include last year's U.S. Open run as well. She's holding serve over 71.2% of the time. Again, that's a career high for her, that number. Good for a top 20 number amongst WTA players. She's also breaking serve 35.6% of the time, which amongst the top 50 isn't as great. You look for Shelby. Shelby Rogers, that number, again, amongst top 50 players, currently good for 39th. But she's holding serve at an elite level, and I was wrong. Not just a top 20 number for Shelby Rogers. She is holding serve this season at a top—no, it is. It's 19. Okay, top 19 rate. Excuse me. So she has been that good here, again, on serve and on hard courts in particular. Her hold percentage jumps by about 4%. Her break percentage also actually jumps by about 2% as well. She's her best form on this surface. And again, this is not to take anything away from Layla Fernandez, who— did struggle to create easy plus one chances for herself, struggled to just take away the, you know, again, uh, the serve for Shelby Rogers, but it's really tough for anyone to do. Again, this victory had more to do with Shelby Rogers, in my opinion, than anything it had to do with Layla Fernandez, who did move the ball around extraordinarily well and who was clearly struggling uh, on her own, uh, who was clearly struggling with her own serve. But again, whenever she got a look at a second serve opportunity, knew she had to be aggressive and was dominant on her second serve returns. It's what kept her in the match for as long as she was. And again, it comes down to a third set breaker. Shelby just a bit more aggressive down the home stretch. But it's a good result for Layla Fernandez to reach the round of 16. Nevertheless, it's Shelby Rogers advancing to the quarterfinals again. 2 6, 6 1, 7 6 for her. That was, by the way, your only three set match on the women's side of the day. We saw a lot of other players making their moves towards that year-end finals, and I mentioned it at the top, but the place you got to start is with my girl JPEG, Jessica Pagula, another dominant performance for her. She knocks off, I would say, a physically wary, but still defending semifinalist in number four seed, Alina Svitolina, 6-1-6-1. Now, it was their third matchup of the season, and you could tell Pagula was kind of more confident in the plays she needed to execute in order to get the job done, and you look for Jessica Pagula, who has been exceptional. She's the number one player on the WTA Tour right now in terms of break percentage here this season. You look for Jessica Pagula. She's breaking serve 47.5% of the time. Pretty much every other service game, she is breaking her opponent. She was just striking that ball so cleanly. But the big thing for her, she didn't face a break point against Svitolina and just was finding the plus one ball with ease, is able to attack down the line, is able to hit through the court, cross court as well. Again, she will go for it. She will play big. She will take the ball early on the rise and continue to hit through you, continue to take the creeks and you know uh, the creeks available on the court and open up the space to open up the down the lines for herself her pa- she's just so proficient with her patterns and again as pronounced as it was for Shelby Rogers Jessica Pagula on hard courts this season 28 and 11 now 
overall on the year. She's winning 72% of her matches in WTA tour level matches on hard courts. Four quarterfinals for her now. Excuse me, five quarterfinals for her now as she has made the quarterfinals in the Australian Open. Excuse me. So she's also 29 and 11 now. I forgot to include this Fidelina match. 29 and 11 overall on hard courts. Five quarterfinals. Those five quarterfinals, all the major, you know, thousand level or higher events. Australian Open, Montreal, Doha, Dubai, now Indian Wells. She's five and four on the season in hard courts against top 10 opponents. She trails Fidelina by one point in the points race. She is ninth right now in the race for the year-end finals. I mean, technically 11th, but essentially ninth right now in the points race for the year-end finals. And you look for Jess Pagula, of course. She's also had success across surfaces as well. And, you know, just it's it's the consistency for her throughout the year. Of course, hard courts is where she's made her bread and butter, but round of 16 Madrid, quarterfinals in Rome, third round Roland Garros before three-set loss to Sonia Kennan, three-set loss to Samsonova at Wimbledon. I don't think there's any shame in that as well. And then She's made the most of every opportunity she's had. Of course, she also gets married next week, next Friday, and she's ripping off this week of success. You look for her here in 2021 now. Jessica Pagula, 39-18 and 18 overall, 68% win percentage. You look by making the quarterfinals of this event. She's up to a new career high, number 20 in the live rankings, as mentioned, technically 12th in the points race. You want to go with the advanced metrics. Jessica Pagula has worked her way up to number 21 uh, in overall ELO. Jessica Pagula here in 2021 specific ELO ranks at 22 she's top 20 player top 15 player when you've been that dominant on hard courts you are going to reach the top 20 of the rankings and again five quarterfinals Australian Open Dubai Doha Montreal Indian Wells that's as legit as it's going to get in terms of a stretch. That is solidifying your place in the top of the women's game. This has been a breakthrough season for Jessica Pagula, and it's a shame Barbara Krejcikova exists because the race between Bedosa and Pagula for most improved player in 2021 would have been fascinating if it wasn't so clearly going to be dominated by Barbara Krejcikova. But again, Great year for Jessica Pagula, 39-18 and 18 overall on the season. Another quarterfinal for her, 1-1 one one victory. Still a one-point lead for Svitolina, and, you know, again, she's got a bunch of people chasing her, but there's absolutely a world because I don't think any of them play head-to-head in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Pagula plays Azarenka. Conteve plays Jabour, but if, you know, if Jabour wins, uh, I suppose Svitolina is still trailing Jabour. If Conteve wins, that's where things get in trouble. I guess Bedosa and Kerber do play each other. So Svitolina, not out of hot water yet, but she's still absolutely got a shot at Guadalajara. And it's been a fantastic year for Alina Svitolina. She's played a ton of tennis down the home stretch too and been successful. Nevertheless, it's JPEG advancing one and one over Svitolina. Dominant performance for the 27-year-old American, of course, You look at our other women's results on the day. All straight set decisions the rest of the way. The aforementioned own Jabour dominant in a 6-2, I believe, 6-2 victory uh, over, excuse me. Yeah, 6-2, 6-2 over Anna Kalinskaya. You look for Angelique Kerber. Was a bit testy at first, but just her physicality that she brings to these Indian Wells matches. How do you get a ball by the defending finalist? 6-4, 6-1 victory for her over Alia Tomjanovic. Annette Conteve continues to cruise. And by the way, entering the quarterfinals, she is Tennis Abstract's singles forecast favorite to capture the title. She ends the run of Beatrice Haddad Maya. Six love, six two, just took everything away from the lefty. And again, is just locked in in all aspects of her game right now. You look at some of the other results. 
Another impressive win for Paula Bedosa, 6-1-7-5 over Krejcikova. And again, it's been the breakout season for Paula Bedosa. You look for her by the advanced metric. She's now a top 25 overall ELO rating. She's 23rd by that metric, 2021 specifically. She's 16th. You look for her, as I mentioned, 17th overall in the points race right now. She's top 25 in both hold and break percentage as well. One of just 13 players you can say that about. And of course, for Paula Bedosa now, you look for this season. I mean, career highs across the board. She's winning over 70% of her matches. That's a career high. 72.8 hold percentage, career high. 38.8 percentage is lower than her career high of 44.3, but that 44.3 was in 11 matches last season. So we're going to go ahead and call this her career high this year. You look for her now. Overall in 2021, ridiculous. 38 and 15 overall in the year. You look for her. This is her uh, now eighth quarterfinal of the season. What a season for Paula Bedosa, the 23-year-old, soon to be 24 in November, has established herself as one of the young players who's just going to be a part of the ecosystem moving forward through the next half decade of the women's tennis world. Of course, your last quarterfinal victory of the day, last two, Vika, another win for her, three and four, ends the run of Alexandra Sasnovich, and then Yelena Ostapenko, 6-4, 6-3 over Iga Sviantek. Now, it was clear Sviantek was nursing some sort of injury throughout the course of that match, but since the start of Rome, Yelena Ostapenko now, 21-9 and overall. She's won a title on grass. She made a final uh, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, before getting knocked out by Clara Tossin in Luxembourg. She's now made the Indian Wells quarterfinals as well. And again, she's winning 70% of her matches. You look for Ostapenko now. She's back up to number 31 in the live rankings. You look for Ostapenko in the points race now. She's 29th in terms of points accumulated here this season. Back into the top 30 for first time in a long time. Yelena Ostapenko is here to stay, folks. Again, her power tennis just translates, and yes, Fiontech was wary, but Ostapenko still hit through her, was the aggressor, took advantage. I mean, she's always going to be the aggressor, but, you know, made Fiontech suffer in the outer thirds of the court. And so, in the end, it is Ostapenko advancing. By the way, shout out to Onjabor. I know there was some confusion. This is from Reem Abulail. She will secure her top 10 debut by reaching the semifinals of Indian Wells, regardless of any other result. If Shabur loses in the quarterfinals, then she will be top 10 unless Kerber reaches the semis, Pagula wins the title, or Kantave wins the title. Interesting to note, to keep in mind as we watch the ending of this women's singles results. And again, our quarterfinals here today are going to be Vika taking on, who's Vika taking on? I can see it at the tip of my tongue. She's taking on Pagula, of course, and then Ostapenko today taking on Shelby Rogers. But that is your women's action. Let's flip gears now, talk about what we've seen on the men's side. I think you got to start with the survivor, Stefano Tsitsipas, survives a three-set encounter with Fabio Fognini. Uh, in the end, it is, uh, as I mentioned, Tsitsipas 2-6-6-3-6-4. He earns the victory uh, to advance, of course, most notably out of this was the chirping Fognini was doing towards Tsitsipas, particularly after the match, was criticizing Tsitsipas, saying you were getting, he was telling the chair umpires, Tsitsipas was getting coached by his dad throughout the course of the match. 
I mean, look, I don't know what there is to say. It's 266364. There's thin margins. And yeah, there's always going to be chatting between a player and his box. That happens in every match. That was not the difference in this one. You look for Stefano Tsitsipas, fights off eight of the 11 break points he faced. Fonini had multiple chances throughout the course of this match to take control, to deliver a blow to Tsitsipas. And Fonini did such a good job of absorbing the heavy topspin of that Tsitsipas ball and just bunting down on that ball, using that top spin to keep his ball down and you know using these conditions to drive you know swing freely and drive the ball that much more through the court it was a brilliant performance for Fabio Fonini best I've seen him play in a while but Tsitsipas was just relentless he came up with the big first serves whenever he needed them he also ended up winning 50% of his second serve points and just you know again for Stefano Tsitsipas who I believe you look for him in total in the match ends up hitting 10 aces just was able to find that big first serve with the right location whenever he needed it or Fonini would go for the big return and it would just miss just wide or just long and again for Tsitsipas on these slow high bouncing hard courts at Indian Wells they're perfect for him because he has that much more time to swing through his backhand that much more time uh, to also just again run around and hit the forehand as well during the baseline rallies he hits his location so well can put that extra kick on it which gives him that extra half second to get to the net when he wants to use the serve and volley play as well and you look for Stefano Tsitsipas I mean, the guy's been lights out. It feels like it's been a disappointing home stretch given he lost third round of the U.S. Open. But A, was a 7-6 in the fifth set loss to Carlos Alcaraz. B, I mean, just look at his results. Canada, semifinals, loses to Opelka in three. Cincinnati, semifinals, third set buster, he loses to Alex Virev. Now into the round of 16 here at Indian Wells where he's got a testy match coming up with Alex Diemenauer. You look for Tsitsipas now, 52-15 and 15 here in 2021. He's winning 78% of his matches. He's you know had so much success this season. You look at just his master's level results. He quarterfinals Miami, wins Monte Carlo, round of 16 loss to Kasparud in Madrid, but that was coming off of obviously uh, a little layoff between that and Monte Carlo, or maybe that was right after Barcelona, but you look for him then, he goes to Rome, makes quarterfinals, loses in three to Djokovic, semifinals Canada, semifinals Cincinnati, now round of 16 Indian Wells, that's what you do when you're a top five player in the world, and that's what Stefano Tsitsipas unequivocally is at this point, he advances against straight sets over Fabio Fonini. You look at your other results on the day. Of course, we were all watching Andy Murray take on Alex Vierov. It felt like Murray was going to come back, was going to take that second set, force a third. But in the end, look, there's a reason Zverev wins Cincinnati and he almost beats Djokovic in the U.S. Open semifinals and he wins the Olympics. He is that good now. He holds serve at a top 15 rate. He breaks serve at a top 10 rate. He's you know, rock solid physically, solid off of both wings on a slow hard court, has that much more time to swing through his forehand. That backhand can hit through anything. The serve gets better and better. Of course, he's got great hands as a returner as well. So condensed on that backhand return. Fluid in the outer thirds. I mean, he was just better than Murray. Like as again, Murray tactically, he's going to compete. He's going to scrap. He's going to claw. I don't think he played particularly well. And if you've seen the clip of him in the press conference, he also didn't think he played particularly well. And perhaps what was so encouraging was the frustration Murray showed after the match, tweeting out, you know, 
just a giant F-bomb and, you know, throwing his racket afterwards, the brief handshake. This match meant a lot to him. You could tell he cared. He wanted to win because, of course, he gets asked so frequently, but he's one of the few players who's spoken openly and criticized Alex Zverev for the allegations of physical and emotional abuse that Zverev is currently under investigation for. And so, you know, again, all of that said... Zverev was the better player, and so Zverev advances four and six. Absolutely, you know, Tennis Abstract has him as the second favorite. DraftKings has him as the second favorite. It's it, you know him, Djokovic, Medvedev. That's the short list right now. The three guys that matter most. If they're in any hard court tournament, they're the three guys most likely to win it. Of course, joining Tsitsipas, Zverev in the round of sixteen are a bunch of different seeds. You look at Gael Monfils, one of the quietly fun stories of this home stretch since uh, the uh, he was you know for Gael Monfils through the Olympics. 3-10 and ten overall in the year, 1-7 versus top 100 opponents, 0 quarterfinals reached. You look for him since the end of the Olympics, 12-5 and five overall, which isn't world-beating, but he made the Sofia final, made the Moselle Open semifinals, quarterfinals in Canada, round of 16 here in Indian Wells. Again, was 1-7 against the top 100 through the Olympics, is now 10-5 against the top 100. The hold percentage has jumped from 75.3 back up to 83.5. His break percentage is up from 20.1% to 29%. He's been a completely different guy. And of course, what changed between the Olympics and now? He got married. Who says marriage can't work? I guess I'll tell you what. If I was married to Alina Svitolina, yeah, I'd be on cloud f***ing nine every single day. And so... Credit to Guy Monfils turning around his season. If I would have told you half a decade ago that it would be Monfils and not Simone, not Gasquet, not Sanga, it would be Monfils as the last guy still alive of that group, comfortably inside the top 30 of the ATP rankings. I don't know if it's comfortable anymore for Guy Monfils, but again, he's the guy right now of that French generation still out there. Good victory for him to advance over Kevin Anderson, 7-5-6-2 into the Indian Wells quarterfinal. Was a good win for Taylor Fritz as well, who I have to say was clearly edged. I, I do think the win from Tommy Paul over Rublev the night before inspires this performance from Fritz. And here's a list of players to reach the round of 16 at both Indian Wells and Miami this season. Medvedev, Sinner, Hercots, Schwartzman, Fritz. I'm not saying, you know, it's two tournaments, but that's a pretty good list to be on. Medvedev, Sinner, Hercots, Schwartzman, Fritz. I'd want to be on that list. And you look for Taylor Fritz again was just with these court speed. He was the more dynamic. He was better from the baseline than Matteo Berrettini. And he could match him from a service perspective. And he raced out to such a quick lead. And it was clear Berrettini was just never right at any point of the match. But again, credit to Taylor Fritz. Earns the victory, straight sets. He advances to the round of 16 at Indian Wells, I believe, for the first time. I believe it's his second round of 16 ever at a Masters 1000 event. Maybe his third, but still, it's a good result for Fritz. Works his way back inside the top 40 of the live rankings. Of course, you look at your other results on the day. Your only three-setter comes courtesy of Nikolas Basilishvili. He earns a 7-6-6-2 win over Albert Ramos Vanoles, your other Winner on the day, winners on the day. Demon Hour, much needed. Six four six two win over Christian Garin. Just good luck hitting a winner against Alex Demon Hour on this court. And then Karen Hatchinoff, who just slow, high bouncing, right in his strike range. That much more time to get out of the corners, which is where his power uh, based speed, uh, I suppose, suffers a little bit from a fluidity standpoint, although he's plenty fine from a physical standpoint. And with his power, he's happy to bring that power for the course of two and a half, three hours. Oh, and four win for him. 
over Carreno Busta to advance to the round of 16 again. It was a really fun day of action across the board. Of course, that sets up Wednesday's action. You've got the entire round of 16 slate for the men. Those matches should be super exciting. You've got Medvedev versus Dimitrov, Schwartzman, Rude, Herkats, Karatsev, Tommy Paul versus Cam Nori. I think that's the sneaky good match of the day. Fritz versus Sinner, Basilishvili versus Hatchinov. By the way, Sinner advancing after Isner forced to withdraw. So he had to race home for the birth of one of his, uh, I guess, his child. And so you can understand that decision. Um, but Sinner, uh, again, facing Fritz tomorrow. Hashinov, Basilishvili, Tsitsipas, Demon Hour, which, as I mentioned, is your Patreon match of the day. And then your nightcap, Gael Monfils taking on Alex Firev. That is Wednesday's action. And, of course, we will be back tomorrow recapping all of that action, of course. I've had a bunch of fun content of late here at Crack Rackets. Ace of the day, previewing each and every day's play at Indian Wells. You can hear those on the Great Shot podcast feed, on the Cracked Interviews feed, had two really, really special guests. Of course, one of them, the former 2009 NCAA singles finalist, former associate head coach for the University of Miami women's tennis program. Someone I've had the chance to get to know a bit, Lau Valverdu, joins the show for the first time. We had a bunch of fun on that one. We geeked out about her time in the college tennis world, going from player to coach. It's a really enjoyable interview. A lot of laughs shared. Again, if you're into tennis nerding, uh, that's going to be the podcast for you. Of course, we also were joined by Jim Doherty, the longtime head coach for the Valparaiso men's tennis team. Of course, Valpo unfortunately canceling their men's tennis program after 2020. But look, Coach Doherty meant so much to so many, and we had the opportunity to take part in his retirement ceremony a couple of weekends ago. Had the chance to chat with Coach about his 35 years growing a program from the ground floor, what it takes to sustain your level at a mid-major and just you know, again, we had got to document the festivities. If you want to hear my conversation with Coach, you can go to the Cracked Interviews feed. If you want to see more about the ceremony, head on over to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, a shout-out, as always, for super produ- to super producer Daniel Westoff, who's killing it, as he always does day in, day out, and has a of an editing job to do. A shout-out, as always, of course, to our friends over at Tennis Point as well. Remember, go to TennisPoint.com. Use that promo code CR15, of course, for the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly? I'm at Great Shot Pod. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and our YouTube channel so that you don't miss out on any of our content, which can all be found on the website, CrackedRackets.com. But with all that said, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price